G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in for another episode in the AFL Fantasy Realm. The round wrap up from round 9 on YouTube and podcast form. Uh, I'll be honest, things are looking tough for the large fries and coke. My team didn't do great last week. I saw a lot of big scores, some of which I benefited from. One of which uh, was not in my team and uh, thankfully for those people that held Lockie Whitfield, he came out and went bang, but it's not just all about the Lockie Whitfield show. There's plenty that happened in round nine. Some of these rookies started to look like rookies, dished up some terrible scores. And in a week where we were hit by a few uh, injury bugs, then we didn't really need this from our rooks as well. So like I said, plenty to talk about. So without further ado, let me dive into today's round nine wrap up. Starting with the same spot, as per usual, every week I go through my team. And I scored 20-31. Not a great score, I'll be honest. I was a little bit bummed out by it, but I slipped a couple of thousand spots in rank. And this week we got a real clear look at the guys who have great teams, people who have good, solid teams, and the people who are philandering a bit, much like myself. My defence was mediocre. Jake Lloyd actually looked like Jake Lloyd and put up a ton, which was nice to see, but an injury to Zach Williams is probably what hurt me the most. He only scored a 40-odd, and there's still no definite doubt as to whether he's going to miss or not, but considering he sat out the rest of the game, he sounds doubtful. I don't think they're a team that's going to rush their players back from injury, and being a hammy, he relies on his speed to use that hamstring, so I don't think Williams will get up for round 10, and Let's be honest, he's made enough money. I think it's time to part ways with him. He's got a break even of 100, so if you can offload him this week, it's something that I'll look to do, and I'd advise probably doing the same. The rest of my on-field defenders were good. 95 from Laird. Smith got to around 90, which was a good thing to see considering the way he started, and a 71 and a 60 from my rookies. My bench rookies sucked, so thank God I didn't have to field either of them. But, yeah, I honestly might have to in the coming weeks, and hopefully... Answorth and Lucky Young can hold their spots on the side and get me through the buys at least. But yeah, work to be done in the defence. I don't think I can squeeze Lucky Whitfield in by getting rid of Williams. So I've got some thinking to do down back. The midfield was a definition of a mixed bag this week. I brought in Andy Gaff and made him skipper on debut and he responded with a pretty standard 126, just like Gaffy usually does. Uh, Rocky was fine. He probably would have been my captain over Gaff. So I gained a couple of points there. I'm not going to get too butthurt about not having Brody Grundy as my skipper. I mean, Gaffy went fine. Uh, Timmy Taranto might be my pick of the year, and even though it came in uh, unfortunate circumstances because I couldn't afford to get Brad Crouch and started with Taranto, I'm not really complaining. I think he's got about the sixth highest average at the moment, so loving what Timmy T's doing at the moment. Hopefully, he can keep it up in that Giants midfield, but there's a lot of mouths to feed. The rest of my guys, oh, God, it was painful. A 45 from Cripps, a 60 from Brayshaw. I don't care. About holding any Angus Brasher anymore. I know I probably can't get much for him, but he's got to go. I can't keep seeing these scores from a premium guy on my field. It's killing me. Uh, the rookies, I actually was pretty impressed with Walshie's 76 against GWS, and Constable and Hayes uh, let me down. Charlie Constable was someone that I thought could have maybe got me through the buys or got rid of him around the buys, but honestly, I don't even know if he'll get a gig for Geelong this week. So, a bit disappointing in the guts from my boys, and with Constable potentially going to be out, I'm going to have to get fancy to try and field enough players. Otherwise, uh, I might be eyeing off a donut or holding Angus Brayshaw. I don't know which one's worse at this stage. In the rucks, pretty stock standard affair from Jared Witts with his 90-ish. Uh, again, I 
I don't think now's the time to get rid of Max Gold. Well, not for me anyway, considering I've got uh, other upgrades. If you've got nothing better to do, let's be honest, Wits, if you are a Wits owner, has to go to Max Gold at some stage. So do it while you can if you get the chance. Preferably after his round 13 buy, Gorns that is, because with Witsy going on to a buy and Max Gorn coming off, that'd be perfect. But he's doing plenty good enough stuff. Plenty good enough stuff. He's doing well in uh, the meantime. So I'll hold on to Witsy. Grundy, form player of the comp, really. Sorry, Locker Whitfield. He's been doing it over the couple of weeks you've had on the sidelines. So Whitfield will probably go 150 now I've said that. And uh, if I can't get him into my team, I'll be kicking myself. But if Grundy keeps up his uh, 140s, I won't be too disappointed. It's nice to see Darcy Fort get some game time as well. Hopefully those people that missed out on Raleigh O'Brien, much like yours truly, can uh, see Fort gain a little bit of coin and hopefully be utilised over the buyers to help you get another upgrade. Finally, the forwards. Pretty solid stuff from the forwards. TK's 50-odd was disappointing, but Bokey was nice. Dangerfield would have liked a bit more, and honestly, his injury concern will throw a lot of spanners in the works for coaches, but an 88 isn't the worst score. Billings was fantastic. Warple was great. Uh, even Grind Myers, I mean, he got a 61, so let's not be too disappointed, considering we saw what Constable and Hayes and some guys like Answorth dished up, and Matty Parker had a 30-odd from memory, so not terrible news from the forwards front, and yeah, 2031 is what I finished on, so... There were some glaring holes in my team, and team selection will definitely dictate my moves this week. Hopefully I can go up to Whitfield, but I do have another idea that I'm going to talk about a bit later that might just help me nail my buy structure. Let's talk about some positives. Time to talk about Fry's favourite fives, and there's no other direction to go this week. I've, we were all, well, the people who weren't owners were expecting at least a little bit of a dip in price from Lockie Whitfield so we could pounce, but <laughs> he actually went up. A couple of grand on the weekend. 190, 18 marks, 40 touches. It was great for me to just sit back and watch him decimate Carlton, even though it came at the expense of Cripper and maybe Walsh's scores. It was nice to watch Whitfield, even as a non-owner, because he was bloody brilliant. I'm kind of lost for words, honestly. There's no real term that you can uh, use to describe what Whitfield did on the weekend. So, yeah, he's the definition of a must-have player. If it was any other week, these guys would probably be in contention for the top five, but Brody Grundy's huge 152 gets him the plus four this week, mainly because he was the most popular captain option. So kudos to those who stuck with Grundy. He was in my thinking, but again, like I talked about, Gaffey and Rockliffe tempted me a bit more. He is going up against Cal Sinclair this week, so Grundy could probably keep up his tendencies of going 140 plus and will probably be, uh, again, the most popular picked captain and might be mine as well this week. Plus three goes to Timmy Taranto, a little bit biased here, uh, being in my side. Loved Timmy Taranto, had a massive game, tons of marks, tons of touches. It's interesting to see how his score kind of fluctuates with and without some of these star GWS blokes, but I think even with Cornelio, Kelly, Whitfield, all those guys healthy, Taranto has shown that he can tackle and do a little bit of everything, so a kick a couple of goals even, so I don't mind Taranto staying in my side, probably stinking it up, and... If you don't love him at his 80s, then you don't deserve him at his 150. So, well done, Timmy T. Next up is someone that is in serious consideration for me this week, and I'm kind of disappointed that he went so big and uh, a lot of people are aware about him, and that is Jack Zeebel. Round 14 by, I'll talk about that and what that means for my forward line and maybe some others in a minute, but Zeebel's 155 was a massive score. Gives him three tons in the last month, and that one ton he didn't, or the one game he didn't ton up in, was when he had a 75 against Geelong. So, 
He's definitely an option. He's priced under 600 grand and has a break even in the 30s from memory. So someone that you should seriously look at bringing in. I know his role can kind of fluctuate a little bit, but when Zeeble's playing this close to the ball during a lot of midfield minutes, I think he's a popular pick to bring in. Lastly, the plus one, a little bit harsh because any other game, any other week, sorry, he probably would have got a higher ranking, but Braden Fiorini is putting up some absurd numbers right now. He did get injured, I think from memory he played out the game, but had a 70-odd against West Coast and then missed last week, I want to say, maybe the week before, I can't really remember, but the five scores that Braden Fiorini has had, with the exception of that injured one and the game he missed, of course, he's gone 110, 114, 126, 137, and then on the weekend had 144. So he's a fantastic, unique bloke. He probably won't be unique for much longer if he keeps putting up these scores. So if it suits your buy structure, you may as well lock him into your team right now. Let's get negative, frustrating five. I'm gonna try and get through this quickly because unfortunately a lot of these guys are in my team. Paddy Cripps gets the neg five. It's a first real blip on his AFL Fantasy 2019 radar, so he'll be better. He got severely outclassed by Matty DeBoer. In fact, Orf Carlton kind of looked a bit shell-shocked with what happened on the weekend, so he won't be scoring too many of these sub-50s, but it is a bit disappointing, especially with a lot of people captaining Cripper, so it stings, but don't look to move him on or anything crazy. He'll be better next week against St Kilda. I'd expect him to come out breathing fire. The negative four goes to Angus Brayshaw, who, unfortunately, due to the carnage running around for a lot of teams, Matty Crouch, Cornelio, uh, the whole drama around Charlie Constable and Dangerfield in the last few weeks means that People haven't really had the luxury of getting rid of Angus Brayshaw, but I don't know if we can keep putting up with it. Some may make the argument that he's worth so little that you can, can't really move him on to anything now, but he's only, well, he's less than 100 grand away from getting someone like Dane Zorko. Sounds like a lot of money, and I'm really annoyed. I'm a grand short of getting my preferred trade for the week. So this is why I always talk about why every dollar matters when it comes to downgrading players, but regardless, Brayshaw's got to go. He's... A shadow of his former self. I don't really know what else to say. See you, mate. A week can be a long time in the AFL fantasy world, and after being the darling of last week and one of our favourite players, Tim Kelly came crashing back to earth with a negative three this week. Unfortunately, he didn't really get going against the Bulldogs. I think I read somewhere that he was getting almost tagged at a certain time, so... It's been alarming that TK has shown the susceptibility to taggers, and hopefully a lot of teams don't go trying it much more, but... Yeah, he's going to dish up these types of performances. What, what can you do? He's still averaging 100 for the year. Probably averaged 100 to 105, so take the good with the bad. The negative two goes to Caleb Daniel, who alarmingly has struggled the last few weeks since Matty Suckling's come back in. Hopefully, it's not a sign of things to come and he can right the ship soon, which I do have some faith in, but it is start to, time to start thinking about alternatives if Caleb Daniel keeps struggling. does have a round 12 buy, so... That you don't really want to chop him out then because he could play throughout the vise and be helpful for you. But yeah, if you are an owner, I wouldn't go overreacting, but I'd definitely look and explore other moves if he keeps up these dud scores. Finally, this is a little bit harsh, I will admit, and usually the neg ones are. And it could have gone to Marcus Bontempelli, could have gone to Josh Dunkley, who probably deserves it a little bit more, but I'm giving it to Nat Fife. And the reason I'm giving it to Nat Fife is because I want to sing out an alarm with uh, Fife's fantasy game. As a Frio fan, he is one of my favourite players to watch in the entire AFL. However, these type of games that he dished up against Essendon are a clear example of why he will not be an elite fantasy player. He might be one day, and he might piece his 
uh, game together and Frio put some uh, better parts around him where he can average 30 touches for a season, like he did in his Brownlow year. But he just has these games where he is in the trenches, getting a lot of those handballs out and a lot of the footies, not running around taking marks, sometimes relies to kick two or three goals to get a real good score. And when he is on, there's no reason why he can't be a 120, 130. But too often he dishes up these 70s and these 80s and these weird scores and then has an injury niggle and then will get suspended for a game. So it's not worth the drama trying to have Nat Fife in your fantasy team. If you do, don't go getting rid of him or anything stupid. But that's a little bit of my two cents on why I don't like Nat Fife as a fantasy player. He is one of the best players in the game. I might be a little bit biased, but I don't think it's groundbreaking to say that. But yeah, from a fantasy perspective, you can do better. Moving into trade tactics, the hot trade target this week is none other than Lockie Whitfield, who's 800 grand in price. So I'm a little bit torn. I mean, earlier in the week, and I said on the Monday sit-down with JLo that you have to do everything you can to get Lockie Whitfield. However, I am someone who probably doesn't have the financial flexibility and has a lot of other holes in my team. So I can get to Whitfield if team selection pans out my way and I can do a few fancy things. But if you can't get Lockie Whitfield, I wouldn't go selling a premium who maybe is coming off a bad score to get him. If it fits your trades, though, then obviously, like I said, he'll probably be the most traded in player this week, and I do advise it. He's going up against the Ds, who have given up a lot of fantasy points, but in recent times, they've kind of been a little stingier. They're not great by any means, but the last time Melbourne played uh, the Giants, Lockie Whitfield was held under James Harms, and I can't remember, I think Neil Bullen tagged him a little bit as well, so... I mean, Whitfield, if you take away his injury-affected uh, score, he's going at an average over 135. So take it with a grain of salt. I mean, a bad game from Whitfield still might be 110, but he's someone that might not be able to come in for 100% of coaches, and if you can't get him in, that's okay. I am all over the Jack Zabel train this week, who's my second bloke in my trade-in tactics. He will probably come in for me this week if things hold to form. He's under 600 grand. He does have that very handy buy, and a lot of people will have the likes of Travis Boak, Dangerfield, Tim Kelly, James Warple in their forward lines, and those guys have the round 12 and 13 buys respectively. So while they're resting, having someone like Jack Siebel, even if worst case he throws up a couple of 85s or 90s, it's a lot better than trying to get someone in like Nick Larkey, who obviously plays for the Roos as well and has a handy buy. Corbett has around 14 buy and probably wouldn't want to be fielding him over Zeeble in any uh, form of the game. So that's my thinking a little bit behind Zeeble. If you don't really need a lot of help in your forward line, you've got a nice balance, you can probably afford to miss out on the Zeeble action because he does come with a little bit of risk. Like I said, his role is sometimes susceptible to change, but considering the value he does offer, I think I'm going to bite the bullet. Dustin Martin is someone in the similar camp with around 14 by, but I think Zeeble, I don't want to say it, but is a little bit safer than Dusty in my opinion. The last big dog I'm going to talk about is Dane Zorko, who, surprisingly, has the third highest three-round average at the moment behind Brody Grundy. He's gone bang, bang, bang in his last three outings. I think from memory he's gone a 130, 130 before doing 118 this week against Adelaide. Does have to make a trip over to play Frio, who have known to run taggers around, and considering Dane Zorko's been weak to taggers in the past, we've seen him score 40s and 50s, it might happen, but... Lockie Neal's also in outstanding touch, so I think the fact that they're both going off really throws a wrinkle into a lot of uh, midfield defense, defensive midfield opposition plans. I'm jumbling this all up. Guess the point I'm making is Zorko is a great trade target. He is still priced fairly low. This is probably the cheapest you can be able to get him. 
sitting at 715k. So if you need an upgrade, maybe to move Constable or Brayshaw on, then nothing wrong with snapping up Dane Zorko. We were treated to plenty of fresh faces in round nine, and some of them performed, most of them did not. Hopefully, we can see the likes of Oscar Baker and Mitch Hinge hold their spots in the side in uh, Melbourne and Brisbane's outfits, respectively. Got a little bit of confidence, but yeah, they didn't really perform great, I'll be honest, although they might be two of the better downgrade targets if they hold their spot. I do have doubts over whether they can stay there right up through the buys, but I think they'll be better for their run on debut, and hopefully they can... Uh, stay in our teams. I don't have a lot of confidence, if you couldn't tell. We saw, uh, what's his name, Robbie Young from St Kilda. Joe Attlee looked good for Port. Darcy Fort was nice for Geelong as well, so they're all solid options. But my pick of the bunch and the downgrade targets this week is Joel Garner. Now, it is worth flagging that Ryan Burton could come back from a hamstring issue. If not this week, maybe next, and force Garner out. But hopefully Garner can do some good things this weekend. Didn't really star against Port Adelaide, but... Hopefully coming back to Adelaide Oval, we'll see him put up a decent score and stay in teams around the grounds. I think he's the best downgrade target at the moment. In a, let's be honest, not a great pool of players, but with a round 12 buy, you might want to hope in bringing him in and then him playing around 13 or 14, but there is a little bit of a, a little bit of doubt over all these young dudes, so hopefully they can stay in their respective teams, but yeah, I won't go holding my breath. Trade-out candidates. Now, Patrick Dangerfield's health is going to be a big talking point once again this week. Hopefully, Dramafield can get his shit together and get on the field against Gold Coast, but considering they have to make the trip up to Metricon, Geelong might just take the safe approach and give Danger a week off. He did say today, or maybe it was yesterday, that he's progressing well and that he's uh, shockingly recovered well and doesn't need the use of crutches, so... Yeah, I don't really know how to go about the Dangerfield thing. I think with Tommy Atkins and Willem Drew still sitting in my benches, I might be able to field one of them over Danger if they come in. If he does miss the Gold Coast game, I advise holding. I mean, I was really big on the trade Lucky Whitfield um, in the trade Lucky Whitfield camp, and that come back to bite me because people who held him were benefited from his massive score. So for that reason, I think I'm going to hold Danger if he misses this week and. I doubt he'll miss next week, but you never really know. Nothing wrong with dealing him and making some upgrades around the grounds with that cash, but personally, I think I'm going to hold, even if he doesn't play against the Suns. I think I've already ranted enough about Angus Brayshaw, but if you did miss the other part of the podcast or YouTube video, let me just quickly point out that he has a three-round average of 69. Now, while that might uh, get a giggle out of some people and uh, turn a wry smile, there's nothing to smile about when he's put on the fantasy field, so... Look, I get the whole argument that he's not worth a hell of a lot and it's worth holding on to him, but I, I can't take this anymore. I need a premium or someone that can score more points in that position. I've got enough dud rookies around the grounds. There's really no win-win scenario here. If you move on from him, I'm sure he's bound to go 120 next week. If you hold him, I'm sure he's bound to dish up a sub-70. So do what you will with Angus Brayshaw, but for me, I can't take it anymore. Zach Williams's hamstring will be another popular... Talking point leading into the round 10 team selections. Personally, like I've talked about already, I think it's time to move him on. And the same can be said with Devin Smith, who, if you haven't heard, will need knee surgery and is going to miss the remainder of the season. It's a bit of a bummer because he hasn't really got going this year, but it is handy, hopefully, for a 2020 forward. I don't know if he'll be back to pure midfield status, but he looks like a discount player. So get healthy soon, Devin, but for now, time to go. Okay, heading the rookie outs this week is Charlie Constable, who... 
whose stinker kind of really forced our hands a bit. We thought that even if he did play, those that held him, like me, could still see a few more decent scores and he'd be right for the culling around by time. But he's got to break even in the 70s now. There's no guarantee to play. So if you can move him on, I definitely advise doing so. Whether it's down or up, Constable's got to go. Similar could be said for Walshy. I have made my position quite clear. I'm not sold 100% on getting rid of Sam Walsh, but, you know, if you've got nothing pressing and no worse trade matters to deal with, then moving on Walsh, preferably up to a big dog midfielder, is the right way to go. Other popular rookies you might want to look to downgrade include Jack Scrimshaw, who's definitely topped out in value. Same can be said for Carlton Duo, Will Setterfield and Michael Gibbons. Thought Gibbons might play a bit more midfield time on the weekend, but... Didn't happen, and obviously because they got decimated, their scores were low, but I won't go uh, expecting huge things from Setters or Gibbons. Also in that boat, you can throw Petricelli, Matthew Parker, who I've talked about for a few weeks now, but those five guys at multiple positions are probably the top five priority trade-outs this week. If you're still holding someone like Willem Drew or Tom Atkins and they don't get up, then again, there's nothing wrong with moving on from those guys and trying to chase one of those cheaper downgrade options if they hold their spot in their respective team. All right, I'm rambling a bit. This is going to be a long episode. I apologise. Got a lot to get off my chest, but waiver wire time. In the midfield, I'm looking at a St Kilda bloke by the name of Luke Dunstan. It's worth noting out that Ed Phillips was, I think, concussed from Trav Barco's hit on the weekend, so that saw Dunstan play a lot more time on ground, or maybe not a lot more time on ground, but did see him play a more prominent role and got a lot of the footy, but he's someone I like the looks of. Not in a ton of teams at the moment. He's in 43, but... Yeah, there's still leagues out there that you can snap him up in. If you want to look elsewhere, Jared Anderson from North Melbourne isn't really a safe play for Classic. I talked about him in my Pod Watch article a couple of weeks ago, but in draft leagues, he's definitely someone worth snapping up. Still available in about 70% of leagues around the competition, so if you need midfield depth, that's probably where I'd look. In the rucks, you could do a lot worse than by chasing either Ryan Abbott or Darcy Fort. Keep an eye on Reese Stanley's position this week and see if he comes back in, which by all accounts he's expected to do. But even if he does and Asava Radagalia misses, Fort or Abbott could be a safe bet as that second uh, Geelong Ruckman. They might only get you a 50 or a 60, but if you're desperate, it might be worth a punt. Up forward, Shane Edwards is someone that I like the looks of. And even when Trent Cotchin comes back in, we might see his scores dip a bit, but could do a lot worse than by snagging him. If he's not available in your leagues, you could maybe try and go for Jake Stringer, who has put together a few solid performances for the Bombers. Not a terrible get. It's a little bit dire, these forward uh, bench guys in uh, draft leagues, but those two I like the looks of. When it comes to defence, Nick Vlossen is probably the best bet. Only in 35% of teams and it's coming off 100, so I do like the looks of him, as well as Jarman Impey from the Hawks. His ownership is a little bit less than Vlostone's and he's someone I like potentially DPPing around. He's got a forward and defensive status, so you could utilise that and ping-pong him around your team. So they're probably the waiver wire dudes who might be flying under the radar that you could snap and add a bit of depth to your side moving forwards. All right, time for my moves. Now, my first trade this week was to try and get Angus Brayshaw and Zach Williams out and to get Lockie Whitfield and Jack Zeeble in. And I am $1,000 short of pulling off that move. So it sucks, I know, but instead of getting Whitfield, I think I'm gonna try and keep my eyes on the buys. And move on Zach Williams and snag James Sicily, and then send Angus Brayshaw packing to 
get Jack Zabel into my forward line. Probably swing Warple into my midfield, but really it can be a pick of anyone. Again, this is probably not a risky move, but I know we always want to go one up, one down, and there's plenty of other rookie decisions that might change my tactics, but getting someone with around 14 by into my forward line and with around 12 by into my defense really does help my structure. So hopefully, even though I'll have Sicily maybe for two weeks and then he'll be out, he will play around 13 and 14 and hopefully get me a couple of good scores. Similar can be said with Zebel. If I go up to round 14 when it's his buy time and he has sucked, then there's no reason why I won't send him packing. But it's a gamble that I think I'm going to have to take. And while I do really want to get rid of some of these terrible rookies off my field, the ball's not really in my court. I may be tempted to hold Brayshaw and get a little bit fancy. And like I said, it does hurt a bit to miss out on Lucky Whitfield, but uh, can't have them all, right? And that is the round nine wrap up. Thank you once again for tuning in. I know it's a little bit later than usual recording this on a Tuesday Arvo. Hopefully I'll be able to get it up uh, Wednesday morning along with my Dream Team Talk rookie cash cow guide. So I'm going to put in a bit of work on that once I finished filming this video. So make sure you check that out on the Dream Team Talk site. Again, on Thursday night, I'll probably do another pod um, regarding the team selections and anything else pressing to talk about. So you can hit me up with your questions on Twitter, Instagram, wherever else you find me. But thank you for tuning in. Good luck with your trades ahead of round 10. Remember, there's only a few weeks left of the buys. So while Lockie Whitfield is going to be on everyone's hot lips, make sure that uh, setting up your team for the buys is exactly what you do. So time for me to edit this thing and put it out onto the World Wide Web. Until next time, peace.